Okay. Okay. We need to do our intro. We do. Can you remember it? Yes. Great. (laughs) So sassy. (laughs) Trouble in paradise (laughs) today. We're just, uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Bryn. We're two writers who have a lot of questions. So to answer those questions, each episode we're inviting a fellow writer on to share their work. And other stuff. Welcome to Shitty First Drafts. Here we are. Here we are. We're so excited. This uh, episode, we I always want to say this week and we don't do not <laughs> record weekly. No. Um, or release weekly, I guess I should say. This episode, we have Rax King with us, and we're so excited because Rax is an (laughs) out-of-towner. Rax is in in New York and um, is in town this week for a softer retreat, and we're just really excited that we get some time with her to talk poems and Twitter and other Other stuff. Other shit. And that's the other stuff we we meant when we said the intro. Very specifically. So we're stoked. Um... Oh. And we're coming at you live from our friend's basement. Hell yeah. Recording on location. <laughs> it's very... It's really fun for everyone to know It feels like pirate radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. You're right. Rax King is a dog-loving, hedgehog-mothering, beer-swilling, gay and disabled bitch who occasionally writes poetry and works as assistant editor for Sundress Publications. She's the author of the collection The People's Elbow, 30... Oh, Recitatives. Recitatives. She is the author of the collection, The People's Elbow, 30 Recitatives on Rape and Wrestling, out from Ursa... Ur- <laughs> Ursus? That's right. She is the author of the collection, The People's Elbow, 30 Recitatives on Rape and Wrestling, out from Ursus Americanus in 2018. Her work can also be found in Barrel House, Peach Mag, and Glass Poetry. Welcome, Rax! Welcome, Rax. Now, Rax, tell us, did you mean to make your bio a tongue twister? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually wrote this one specifically to fuck with Bryn. Yeah. I I could feel it in my bones when I was reading it. No, I love your bio. It has a lot of energy. Thanks. I love that you call yourself a sumbitch. I just feel like bios should have more cusses overall. True. I truly agree. I'm going to rewrite mine. Yeah, You've inspired us both. I'm going to add a single cuss. One. One cuss. <laughs> One time when I was teaching, I um, uh, what I said shit or something in front of my class of like 18-year-old freshman yeah, yeah. in college, and I said, ooh, I said a cuss. <laughs> and I, I said it like to try to be funny, but then I was like, they don't know me, and they don't know that I'm trying to be funny, so then they just think I'm like a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> So I felt a lot, really embarrassed. I had one of those moments at my at one of my readings when I was really stoned, <laughs> and I figured everyone could tell I was stoned. So to right. cut the tension, I was imagining I said, "I've never smoked weed in my life." <laughs> and this room full of strangers was like, "Sure, <laughs> okay, wow, Thanks. you're really good." Yeah, <laughs> sounded like a brag. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously they knew. Yeah, I feel like everyone knows. Yeah, I was gonna say you. I I always feel like I'm pulling it off. I'm like, mm, no one knows. No, I'm I high. literally <laughs> never Stephanie do. always thinks that everyone in the room knows that she's high. Yeah, I'll even I even think other people are high. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, I'm having, if I'm having a funny conversation with someone, I'm like, I 
obviously they're also high. Yeah, yeah we're all so stoned right now. Right. Actually. Like I'll listen to a podcast too and be like, they were high when they did this. <laughs> like I don't. I just think everyone is when I am, and I'm yeah. like, we're all just having a good time. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you also said one thing, something though about like being high and laughing. You were like, but I know that it's high laughter, and so that's it's a different. It's a different level. And you were like, apparently, saying, I'm really concerned about authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when she was saying this while high, because we had we had just had this like dumb conversation and we were both laughing. And then she was like, kind of like, I think the gist of what I got from it anyway was she was saying, like, trying to say that like the laughter was cheapened because we were like, highest kites and i was like no like if you get a good belly laugh it doesn't matter how you got it like you just <laughs> lean in i'm like now i'm crying yeah. and i don't know why ah <laughs> uh, coping mechanisms yeah well i mean crying from laughter but oh anything could happen just crying just <laughs> it's all crying it's all crying <laughs> one single tear anyway <laughs> so um today we're here to talk about poems yeah and we're stoked about that i don't know why i always say stoked on this podcast i love it stoked we're really excited to talk poems <laughs> with you rax um but first before we get into that tell me tell me your origin story i gotta know how did you become <laughs> superhero poet mac max <laughs> you can call me max <laughs> That's your superhero poet name. Is you Max. just revealed the yeah. ego. I did. Sorry. I mean, that's that's kind of fucked up of you, but whatever. Right. <laughs> I'll rescind it. I'll bleep it out in the edit. God. <laughs> um, I really want to make the joke that I was bitten by a radioactive poet, but I feel like that's probably what everyone says. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, so, I've heard that one. Heard so that yeah, one. no. So I'm not gonna make that joke. I'm just gonna talk about making it. Uh, I've pretty much always written since I was really little. Mm. I remember. One particular day when I was like nine, I wrote like 20 poems in a row and my parents were like, I don't know what's wrong with her, but she's, <laughs> she's occupied, she's accounted for, yeah. like, let's encourage this. <laughs> and they had me do some like child workshops where it was a bunch of other nine-year-olds writing like acrostics about unicorns <laughs> and shit. Yeah. It was actually kind of tight and, um, <laughs> and they still send me junk mail, so that's cool. And uh, I kind of fell out of practice for many years, mm -hmm. like until after I had graduated college, and then I started writing poems again, and then also writing fiction again, and mm -hmm. nonfiction, all kinds of things. And I've really only just in the past, I guess, year or two gotten into the swing of publishing with journals, yeah. and I'd, I had my chapbook come out just last year, and... Now I'm freelancing a bit, so I, I'm still very early into mm. my origin story. <laughs> I just briefly have to mention that Rax and I are sitting on the same little, like, love seat, <laughs> and I feel like it's one of those weird dates where we both decided to sit on the same side of the table, and it I, like, does look like a little booth. don't yeah. know how to behave, because yeah. I, I'm, I hate the people who sit on the same side No, of yeah, the I think you have to like, hey, I don't, I don't, I feel... <laughs> it's just hard. Like, why would you try to have a conversation with somebody where you both were forcing each other to like look, like tilt your, Turn your head? Yeah, it's over. not considerate. It's deeply inconsiderate. <laughs> you um, ever have somebody like you sit down on one side of the seat and you think they're gonna go opposite uh -huh. you, but they pull, they pull a real fucked up maneuver where they just sit down right next I to you. I just think those you... people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, yeah. truly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> not to get totally off topic though. 
Um, so with you, was it like you were nine and then nine was the last time you ever wrote a poem and then you came back to it or was it not that big of a gap between? Uh, I mean, I, I took some creative writing classes in high school. That was mm-hmm. really the only kind of class where I could make myself give a shit. Yeah. I was a little baby burnout for <laughs> yeah. a very long time. And I had that, you know, that one English teacher who was really yeah. into everything I did. I feel like every writer has that English teacher who just worships the ground you walk on. Mm-hmm. But I was very much of the mind of like, fuck you, teach. I'm going to yeah. go <laughs> smoke cigarettes in the locker room and other stuff that I thought was a good way to spend my time. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, I think that's a big reason why I fell so much out of practice is mm. up until, uh, again, about last year, my writing was sporadic and always pushed aside in favor of doing stuff that in retrospect I didn't really need to be doing (laughs) sure yeah like an ex-prodigy out in the world right (laughs) (laughs) I'm also impressed to hear that there were like children I mean like I remember writing poems as a kid but I don't think I ever went to like a workshop or like a thing that encouraged it it was just like in class the teacher gave you a Right, a blank book. There was a unit. Some poems. Yeah, yeah, poetry poetry unit. A single poetry unit. And you'd read that one Robert Frost poem. Yes, I had to memorize that in high school. Do you still know it? The the Uh, roads, sort of. Two trap the two roads. Mm. The roads. How's it go? The (laughs) road less traveled. There it is. Yeah, and that is why. (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) I took one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You See, remember, yeah. those are the last couple lines. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, anyway, shout out to Miss Phelps. Anyway, hope she's of good. The, of the Michael Phelps family? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay. All I remember is that she drove a um, <clears throat> she drove a PT Cruiser with wood panels. So shout how out. do you shout know what kind of car she drove? I don't. She was strange. Okay. <laughs> she she talked about cool. it. Yeah, <laughs> she sounds great. Yeah, not, this Absolutely. podcast is not about me or Miss Phelps. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. But yeah, I do think I I do agree with you that I think most writers have an English, at least one English teacher, if not more English teachers that are like, just like gassing you up, (laughs) telling you that what you're doing is great. Hmm. I think that that's an important part. It made me cocky, to be honest. Really? Like this 35 year old man thinks I know what I'm doing, so I don't have to get better at what I'm doing. That makes yeah, sense. it doesn't Especially exactly help you. Yeah, it doesn't exactly help you uh, form like good skills, like study no, skills and like work true. ethic. You're just like, oh, I'm good at something. Right. That's all there is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's I think just I so nice to be good that. at something that you don't ever like try to right. to advance at all. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's only like last year I started actually taking writing classes, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, there's actually stuff you have to learn. Yeah. To do this and properly. to become better. Yeah. yeah. Some people tell me it sucks. Yeah. How <laughs> freeing. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. The, the first couple of times I went to workshop in grad school and people told me that my first drafts were garbage, I was like, I, like at first, of course, my hackles were raised because I'd never yeah. had that before. But then I was like, oh, wait, actually, this is a really good. Yeah. Yeah. So help and make me become now. a better poet. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so speaking of taking classes and writing and all that, talk to us about your first draft. Where, where, literally and <laughs> metaphysically were you when you wrote that poem? Um, <laughs> so the poem actually, the the first draft I sent y'all was actually more like a second draft. So the mm. first draft was scrawled on post-it notes, like at work, mm. that I'd 
balled up and threw away, like, all secretive-like, and <laughs> kind of typed what I thought were the better parts of it into a into a draft. Yeah. And the poem is called uh, Hatsala, which is a volunteer ambulance service that serves primarily Orthodox Jewish communities. It's for Orthodox Jewish people who are a little more insulated mm-hmm. and don't really might not be so comfortable trusting their medical care to strangers who aren't from their community. And the initial poem was primarily one of my Jewish identity poems. And then even from like post-its to draft, it really morphed and became more about like bodily pleasures Mm -hmm. and bodily sensory experiences and how those translate into shame experiences in your head. And then from then on to what became the final draft, which is going to be published in uh, Bedfellows magazine, actually. Uh, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it morphed again and became that poem with a couple extra doses of like climate change fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really doing a lot of jobs and it's still called Hatsala for like no discernible reason that anyone than, would recognize other yeah. than me. <laughs> was it always titled Hatsula or has that changed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well. I, I start with titles a lot and work my way mm. out, which I'm a little bit embarrassed about. I feel like that's the incorrect move. But... Eh. I mean, if it's the thing that helps you generate a poem, it yeah. can't be an incorrect move, you yeah. know? And it's yeah. easier to swap something out later. Right. Yeah. Title. Like words and, and phrases are very generative for me. Yeah. And my process is a lot of like, if a word is stuck with me or a phrase or a sentence sometimes, then I end up working outwards from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was this something like that where you were having a conversation with somebody or were you – what was the first initial spark of inspiration for it? Um. So I work in a neighborhood that is – I mean, I'm, I'm Jewish myself for reference, but I'm – very very reform which is like the the fake kind of jew like you go to temple once a decade and you're sure, just like yeah. yeah whatever and the neighborhood i work in is primarily orthodox mm-hmm. um some ultra orthodox which is like the the most halakhic of all yeah. and um so i i work in that neighborhood and that's who most of my coworkers are as well mm. and i feel myself really steeped in everyday Orthodox Jewish culture in a Mm. way that has never been available to me before. I mean, even when I was younger and I went to temple and whatnot more regularly, we were never super dedicated to like what it's like to be a sequestered Orthodox Jew away from more everyday practice. And so you start to notice little things like the volunteer ambulances and you know, kosher sushi shops, kosher pizza Mm -hmm, shops. And the way, like, it's like going to a foreign country sometimes where they have the same shit, but everything's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all recognizable, but you notice it and you're like, huh. And that has always been, there's always been a confounding factor for me of like, but this is also my stuff. Like, this, this should not read as a little bit different or foreign to me. This should feel like coming home. And it never has. So that's been the source of a lot of my material lately. Sure. Has been that internal culture clash of mine since spending much more time around really devout 
religious Jews and not being one myself. And that's, that's where this comes from as well. It was, it started off a little more about Jewish culture and a lot of those elements faded out of, of the drafting process, but it's, it still feels to me like a poem about being Jewish. Like everything I write is a poem about being Jewish. (laughs) Yeah. I think that makes sense that the, there would be like the contrast would spark a lot of tension, especially because how many, how many years have you been working in that neighborhood? Not, I mean, about a year. It's a relatively oh, new okay. gig for new me. Thing. That's, yeah, I I think that was, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, fuck, like, to feel, <laughs> to feel like a foreigner, but that you shouldn't feel like a foreigner in this right. area, that would mm-hmm. be a lot. That would be tough. Yeah. I think you should go ahead and read it. I feel like that was a hell of a <laughs> yeah, intro. Yeah, great I'm intro. Ready to hear yeah, read us that first draft. Okay. Uh, Hatsala. Uh, he asked me, would I like to live deliciously? And I said, actually, man, I'm good. When I say good, I mean done. Like how I'm done comparing come to sacrament. Like how I'm done trying things I don't think I'll like. Done, like done. I can't cure the condition of an earth shared with other people. When you think about all eight billion of us, it's no wonder some folks load the toilet paper roll the wrong way. No wonder some tongues sound like mucus and wreck. No wonder the evils will permit to keep our momentum, the times we won't be kind. Times we'll remember later and feel not remorseful but embarrassed. Like that grandma I shoulder-checked to catch my Q-train must just hate me now. And then forget till the next grandma, the next Q-train, the next Earth. Yeah. Am I going straight ahead into the, the <clears throat> second one? No, we have some questions. Okay, interrogate me. <laughs> um, so what, and now in reading this, um, what stands out to you about the piece? About this first draft specifically? Well, uh, I mean, as, as you'll hear in comparison to the second one, it's a lot shorter and it, it definitely feels to me on revisiting it like I wrote it in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my first drafts, there, I guess, is this visual element that you're not going to be able to get from a podcast, but mm. it, they are just a jumble of words yeah. without much attention to line breaks or natural pauses, and also not that much attention to the way the words sound off one another. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so it just reads to me now like I had a bunch of ideas that I wanted to cram into a very small space, yeah. and I didn't really pay all that much heed to the the poetic form of it or the poetic devices that were available to me right you were just getting it getting it all down right I feel like mine are that way a lot too and then but then I just leave them in my phone notes or like on a piece of paper and then (laughs) I'm like that still sounds nice to me maybe I'll come back to that (laughs) later yeah and then you end up with a bunch of scraps of paper like sandwiched in weird places in your purse I do have those scraps of paper (laughs) I do too yeah we have these little scratch papers at work that I just like cut up Mm -hmm. like printer paper in so I can write quick notes yeah and I have like so many of those in like a myriad of colors just like in my purse and like tucked in my journal and (laughs) lots of stuff good little poems that's cute very thank you (laughs) I don't know that feels very writerly something about like carrying around scraps of paper that you've written things on right I never I have never written a poem on a scrap of paper I don't think do you use the notes app a lot I do if it's like if it's something quick that I'm worried I'm gonna forget and something that I think I can type out pretty quickly um 
Mostly I just forget. <laughs> there it is. I think I, I think I need the process to be less formal. Yeah. yeah and that, that helps me a ton. Same. If I sit at the computer and I'm staring at like a Word doc or something, I'm like, it feels like I'm, I need to type out something that looks good immediately mm-hmm. just yeah. because of the format. Like a Word doc sense. looks exactly like a printed page. Yeah. And I get really like caught up in that kind of thing. Yeah. Anxiety. Um, even with stories, I'll like start writing a story and like, I don't know, like Courier New 17 yeah. <laughs> point font or something. Like just to make me try to forget about the end result. Yeah. You know, that's going to be like a pretty thing. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. I Not struggle it. with that too very much. Like once I have the Microsoft Word page open, I'm like, I can't desecrate this with, <laughs> with my bullshit ways. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. Maybe I should try writing on scraps of paper more because I, I do. One thing that I was thinking about because I was, I had just been like edit, editing some poems um, earlier today. And one thing that always happens to me is I'll, like, write down a segment or, like, you know, usually things come to me in, like, stanzas. Mm-hmm. And then they just sit as a stanza on a page forever. Like, or, like, you know, until I, I come back to the inspiration that got me started in the first place. So I wonder whether not trying to draft on the computer would be easier. I don't know. But this isn't about podcasts yeah. about me. <laughs> um, get out your gel pens. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's real fun. But one of the, one of our friends that we interviewed recently was talking about drafting in Garamond, and I was like, literally, you can't because then everything <laughs> looks perfect. Then you're like, this is a poem already. I, I need to change nothing. Yeah, I really appreciate that you your second poem is part of the title is Hotzla Fancy Final Garamond version. <laughs> yeah. So it must be done. It must be done. It must be finished. I don't even like buy into all the the poets memes about about Garamond specifically. That's like the the sacred text yeah <laughs> yeah like I, I use times new roman because i'm still stunted and in high school emotionally <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an I academic do think, font truly though times new roman has a better italics like the italics look better than in oh yeah garamond. we had an impassioned conversation with someone about this recently yeah. that garamond italics was garbage. garbage times new roman italics is actually pretty pretty nice yeah yeah Anyway, I'm gonna be canceled. <laughs> no, I think it makes sense. It's cl- I like it's the reason it's stuck around. It's classic, yeah. you know. So, um, and most things like in journals, journals have their own font anyway. So like right. you should just not give a fuck because they're gonna transfer it to whatever font that they use for their. I think it'd be really bold to like submit in Comic Sans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like on the other end, like. I and I know you have read. I don't know if you've read for journals yeah, yeah. before. Like, yeah. well, you're a Sunder editor, so yeah, yeah. yeah, you've read. <laughs> I know how to read. I know. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> but I would be a little bit judgmental. I think if someone submitted a poom yeah. in Comic Sans, I would be like, they don't know. Yeah. Like it might as well be a navy blue font if it's going to be in Comic yeah. Sans, or it might as well like might be as well center aligned. Be, be center yeah. aligned in the shape of a star or something. Yeah. There's yeah. a restaurant near my apartment whose awning and menu are both in papyrus and every time oh, I see it I'm I have this horrible fit of snobbery of like <laughs> really papyrus every time I think of papyrus I think of um next top model because all the Tyra mail was in papyrus <laughs> and I was always like Tyra cho- make what it your you own doing? font you're yeah, Tyra Banks, you're Tyra Banks. Tyra, why are you using you papyrus <laughs> I always think about that um isn't isn't it Ryan Gosling who did like a skit for SNL about papyrus now the Avatar font is in Papyrus. <laughs> did he? I think that he did. Maybe a weird I, 
yeah, maybe it wasn't. A, maybe it was like a, a um, Funny or Die or something, not an SNL skit. But anyway, maybe that was a fever dream I had. It's unclear. <laughs> Sounds made up. <laughs> um. So okay. So you wrote this then fairly recently. If you have just kind of had a resurgence of your writing life. So do you think? Well, I guess then what what brought you back to writing more seriously? Like what, what made you decide to take it a little more seriously and like really pursue the publishing and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's always been the thing that I'm the most good at. Yeah. And, uh, my, my professional life has always been unsatisfying. Amen. And I mean, (laughs) the millennial condition. Yeah. And you know, we're kind of, sold this notion throughout I would argue high school and college Mm -hmm. of like once you get out into the world you're gonna find yourself a a satisfying career yeah and that's gonna be your thing yeah and even then I was like well writing can't be it because nobody does that right (laughs) right right. nobody makes money that way and so I started turning away from it a bit and I've always done it as a hobby but I, I wouldn't sit down and like draft and then sit down another time and revise. Yeah. There was there wasn't that discipline. Right. And it was just something that I did like loosey goosey for fun and Yeah, and if you don't see it going anywhere then right. why would you take why would you take it seriously? Yeah, what's the end yeah. right. result? It was like taking an improv class. Yeah. Which is like something <laughs> I did in gigs. the evenings. Yeah. And that, you know, doing it has always been the thing where when I'm doing it, I am the most fulfilled and mm-hmm. the most satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then I took a uh, a fiction class, Crit, uh, last year, which anybody who lives in Brooklyn or New York, I highly recommend taking it. <laughs> yeah. And it was a pretty intense eight-week fiction course, and the whole time, even managing a pretty high workload for it of reading and, uh, and critiquing other people's work, mm-hmm. I was always really happy. Mm. And then I was like, well... This is probably something I should spend more time and energy focusing on because yeah. it's the thing that makes me happy and my job is dumb. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I had it sense. backwards. <laughs> um, so are you then writing a lot of fiction also or, or do you find yourself mostly leaning towards poetry? Uh, I would say I spend more time on fiction, but I, I generate more poems. Yeah. I don't... Fiction is much more time-consuming for me because yeah. I, I need my fiction to make some degree of narrative sense yeah right and especially with real long form fiction that means a lot of like drafting and then I have to go back and make sure I didn't say somebody was 17 when they're 18 yeah right. just shit like that and also a lot of heavy restructuring gets done and poetry is kind of my warm comfortable place where mm. even if I write a bad poem I don't really feel like I'm getting it wrong yeah right so they're both, like, fulfilling, but in different ways. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, all the reasons you listed about fiction, why fiction is more time-consuming, are the reasons why I stopped writing fiction. <laughs> yeah. They are the reasons I don't have a big interest in writing a novel. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. But I think it's, um, it's awesome that you do both. I think more people... I really admire writers who do both, and I think I wish more... There was more time spent encouraging that, because I think they're... Right. Especially if you go the academic route, you're you're not allowed to do both. You're, like, right. very discouraged mm-hmm. from it. You have to choose um, a focus, which in some ways I do understand, but in others it's just, like, fuck off. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, people people 
create in all kinds of different ways and you're not going to be lessened. And in fact, I would argue that your writing would become better if you're like forced to like work other muscles. You know what I mean? Like if you're only doing legs at the gym, (laughs) you're going to end up looking imbalanced. And so like if you're only doing poetry all the time, you like aren't working the muscles of like narrative and character, things that can also then play into poetry. And likewise, like if you're only ever doing fiction, you might be losing track of some of the like more imagistic or um, like language that allows for um, associative leaps yeah. and like rely too much on narrative and too much on direction. So I just really, I think that that's an important yeah. thing. It's hard not to cling, well, especially like in the world of academia, it's hard not to cling tightly to your label. Yeah. Like you show up to a thing, like a thing, or when you're new at grad school, people are like, what are you? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> you're like forced to say like, I am a poet and, and yeah. which is cool, I guess. But you know, it's, it's kind of, it just immediately from the get go, you're either in poetry or you're in fiction yeah. or you're in CNF. Right. Um, but it's like, there's not a lot of crossover yeah. in most programs at least. Well, and I, when I started, I was really uncomfortable saying that I was a poet. Like I, people would be like, so I remember one conversation where a lit guy was like, so you're a poet. And I was like, so taken aback that my initial <laughs> response was like, I'm trying to be like, I don't, I don't know. Like what the fuck does a poet, like. Is that when you were in grad school? Yeah. Oh, but you got, my first you semester. got in for poetry. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just meant that like, I don't know. I just wasn't ready to like claim that for yeah, myself. But I also sense. still was like navigating some. Like, I still feel like sometimes people, when they hear that you do poetry, they expect you to have, like, many berets and, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, smoke oh, you're long a poet. Cigarettes. It's like yeah. when people find out, like, you're a comedian, they're like, oh, tell me a joke. Right, like, write me a do poem. Me a poem. Ooh, Ooh, do me a poem. And, like, I don't fucking... I'm not going to rattle off a haiku for you. you sit on the street corner with a typewriter and... <laughs> a bongo drum? Like, <laughs> I used to date one of those. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. This sounds fun. Yeah. No. <laughs> Mike, don't listen to this. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> that's, I mean, if that's the, that's what makes you happy. Then. I mean, it that's seems great. like it could be much more successful in New York than in true Tennessee. <laughs> I think he, he did pretty well for him. Mike, please don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> he like had a whole outfit. Like there was a, a hat involved. Sure, of like course. a poetry hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is much more embarrassing in retrospect. <laughs> That I was like, I found this all very attractive. Yeah, sure. Like, you make poems on the street corner for some reason. Money? Yeah. A little. A little. Sticking it to the poetry man. I think that was more what it was. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, the powerful poetry establishment. <laughs> all 12 yeah. of its dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Truly. Oh, God. Okay. Man, I saw a, um, a sweatshirt on Instagram a couple weeks ago. I think I sent it to you, but... It was someone who, um, they're wearing a sweatshirt and, uh, in big letters on the sweatshirt, it said like, I write poetry for the money or something like that, but it was like really big. Like it was so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's like, where did you get that? I need Honestly. it. <laughs> Truly. I'm hoping that this is still going to work. Are you tired of leaning? Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a rough lean. It should work. I feel like I'm sitting on the toilet a little <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird squat. Like a, like a hunched squat. Yeah, I'm on the edge. On the edge of my This is why, couch. you know, recording from not the comfort of our own home. Anyway, um, great. So, uh, 
Do we want to go ahead and read the second book? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right. Let's read this Garamond version. (laughs) Yeah, you have to hear it in Garamond. Everyone everyone readjust your ears. (laughs) Turn the dial a little bit to the Garamond setting. Uh, Okay, Hatsala. He asked me would I like to live deliciously, and I said, actually, man, I'm good. When I say good, I mean done. Like I'm done comparing come to sacrament. Like I'm done trying things I won't like. Done like done. I can't cure the condition of an earth shared with other people. Think about all eight billion of us and no wonder some folks load the toilet paper roll the wrong way. No wonder some tongues wreck. No wonder momentum is the most important thing. I am unkind 50 efficient times a day. Make it a hundred. Make it that grandma I shoulder checked to catch my Q train. Forget till the next grandma, the next Q train, the next earth. The night is young, so quick, let's fuck her. Wishbone her legs till they break lucky. The prettiest any girl can be is too young to know. Even you, girl, even the moon. Emergency can just be like, help, the song is losing its magic. Help, I forgot to cry over a gray hair. I did not architect the world, and the guy that did forgot the black box, the emergency exit. Help, help, help. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get our snaps in there. Yeah. <laughs> snaps for poems, you know, it's necessary. Yeah. This one, on the page, this one definitely looks more poety. Yeah. It it's has the breaks. Garamond. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, no, but my yeah, phone, but there's some line breaks. and My yeah. phone could not download the Garamond, so I think I'm reading it in crystal clear Times New Roman. Wow. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Um... Yeah, and I, I but it has more of a shape to it, and yeah, definitely more intentional line breaks, and even more poem. Yeah, now featuring more poem. Now featuring <laughs> longer by like a third. Yeah, yeah. So what? Um, you mentioned earlier that you are navigating these ideas of like identity, but also, um, I mean, what I guess what I'm saying, what I see in this is like navigating these things of identity and also um global warming and climate and the anxieties of that but um also just like the anxieties of kind of being a human which feels like a lot to do in a poem so (laughs) is that do you find yourself often I guess the real question is do you find yourself often writing poems that are that take all of these turns like this one does where you're like you know what I can't I I'm not going to just write a poem about my Jewish identity. I also need to like add in all these other things in there too. Not need, but like want, or do you find that impulse? Yeah. It's my poetry is like that. And also my fiction is kind of like Mm -hmm. that. I'm have been notorious in workshops before for having too many section breaks and people Mm -hmm. are like, you you have to stick with something. (laughs) You, You have to pick one thing for a little while. Yeah. But that's never really been how I've written. Um, I, I like to jump around and I see things as being connected that maybe yeah. don't feel especially connected at first blush, which is why I have a climate change poem named after an Orthodox Jewish <laughs> ambulance yeah. service. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's nice to make those jumps and then you kind of will the reader to come with you right. and trust till the end. And then those things kind of come together or they at least make more interesting work. Right. Um, that's what I hope for I hope that the jumps are not 
entirely incoherent, but if they are, then I just don't think that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. like, read a different poem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> read, read some Robert, Robert Frost. Frost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I do think, I think it, like, maybe at first, at first glance it doesn't make sense but I mean like the idea that just the idea of there being a voluntary or volunteer led emergency medical service like I don't know the poem to me seems to be about this like duality of human nature where it's like there's there are people who are so will like able and willing to help their community that they're like willing to get all the medical training necessary to like run an ambulance and like help these people who don't feel comfortable being helped by, you know, non-Orthodox members of their community. But then there are also people who put the toilet roll backwards backwards and fuck those people. I think we all know which way that is. The wrong way. (laughs) To be clear, it is over the top, right? Yeah. Not not behind. I also agree with that. Okay. Like over or forward, right? Like coming towards, yeah, right. Yeah. Instead of like, backwards. instead of backwards, yeah. That's how yeah. I think of it. I'm glad that's settled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we really uh we've declared that mm-hmm. we've set it in stone. There the was only a time. Way to there do was things. a time when I had this conversation with someone, and they said that they agreed, but they put theirs on backwards because otherwise, their dog and or cat mm. would get it. And just traipsed it all over the house. Yeah. But it was the other way. They weren't as tempted. Sure. Because it's so, not dangling as much. Yeah. So shout out to those people who know what's really right. But have but to make sacrifices. Yeah. I think I. Stay strong. I'm a little. So it's funny because I'm an order Muppet for sure. But there's like a little part of me that's a chaos Muppet in that I just like don't really check. And so I just kind of like put the toilet. Like. Aww, ma- like just like me. <laughs> I just like kind of. I mean, I, I, I care enough to have a preference. But I'm like also a lazy piece of shit who's like right. not going to check which way the toilet roll is going because I'm like it's like t- requiring enough energy of me already right. to like change the toilet roll. That's my girl. So. Like if someone else has done it the wrong way, I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to sit there and complain about right. it. Right. You just sit there and you think about you like what kind do. of person am I going to be? Am I going to be the kind of person that swaps over someone's toilet paper at their house of which I am a guest? Yeah. Or a roommate or, situation. <laughs> or a roommate situation. Honestly, like if you've ever done that, I have flip. not noticed. I don't because think I again, have. chaos Muppet. Yeah, <laughs> and if I did, I did it for me. <laughs> okay, you know. Good. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but yeah, that is the the connecting element. I mean, that's how I got from point A to point, point, a to B. point B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get back. To, well, yeah. Thank you for getting us back. On Toilet track. paper notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the humanity of it, and like it's. I I don't know. I just really appreciate a poem because I feel like that's like one of the biggest questions that we're all trying to figure out or navigate is this idea of like humanity is a bunch of pieces of shit walking around but like also pieces of shit that are capable of doing like really lovely things like owning a hedgehog and like mothering it i do have a hedgehog what's his name uh his name is Dwayne the hog johnson (laughs) everyone just calls him hog but that's his christian name i love that I, yeah, that's a really excellent hedgehog name. It is. Shout out to Dwayne. Shout <laughs> listening. out. Oh my god, he's never been like shouted out in anything wow. in his life. I would love to post a picture of Dwayne. Oh yeah, you should send us a pic. Well, I have many. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Um, I'm about to send y'all like 600 hedgehog Hell pics. yes. I've never, <laughs> wanted, I've ever wanted. Yeah, I've never wanted anything more. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> we keep getting off track. Um, that's what this podcast story. is all about. Um, okay, so this, uh, what 
with this poem, obviously, like there, like the the bones are there from the first draft. But what did revision look like for this piece, and was it like different, or pretty much how you revise in general? This one actually was different from usual. Usually, my revision process is like I've written way too much. Mm-hmm. And I'm way too wordy and stuff just needs to, I need to like take a machete to yeah. a lot of dead weight. Yeah. And this time I I found that I actually had more to say. And so like that last additional third of the poem that, that gets added on mm-hmm. between first and second draft, that pretty much didn't get revised. That stayed almost intact from like inception to yeah. getting on the page. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more moving stuff around and making it flow poetically the way I wanted it to flow than there was cutting and being judicious and the stuff that I normally find myself having to do Mm -hmm. that's really interesting um and we're we're, I mean how I was curious because I was noticing the line breaks in this second piece a lot and I was sort of wondering how much of that like what were you do what choices were you making and how were you how were you making what choices were you making that's the end of the sentence (laughs) uh yeah I'm a really aggressive line breaker yeah all my poetry my poems tend to be mostly on the shorter side because or not because my poems tend to be mostly on the shorter side but read as long on the page because Mm. I go really aggressive with like only a few words at a time per Mm -hmm. line and that pretty much held true here um one thing that I was careful to do was there's a lot of instances of of the word like yeah in you know it's colloquial usage Mm -hmm. that women get made fun of so much for using the word like too much Mm. and I wanted to incorporate that pretty heavily and have it be pretty voicey in that way yeah absolutely and so I wanted to be careful with my my commas and my like landing on the word like Mm, in places that I thought would be effective yeah I definitely I I see that working really well especially in that second stanza done like done yeah I wanted that line in particular to look totally nonsense on its own yeah it was important to me that and I tend to favor writing lines that way so that on their own no one line makes much sense and you are forced to, to read continue through yeah. it yeah like you can't just glance at it right and, and get something right so that way that, what it's about like the men- momentum builds on its own the momentum right. and the, the um meaning build yeah I like how you said too that the the second, or I guess maybe the final third of the poem that's that's new to us in the new version, kind of just came out that way, yeah, and mm. wasn't heavily revised. I mean, you could say that the whole thing, like it was revised, um, but it was kind of like tidied up more. Mm-hmm. And then once you got the first bit tidied and you kind of knew a direction, you just kind of kept going in that yeah. direction. And then yeah. you're like, well, now that my brain knows what the revision is up to, mm-hmm. then I can just finish the poem without having to worry about having to go back to it one more time or two more times. And right. I like that. It's like you, once you figured out what it was about, you didn't have to worry about going back in and moving things around. Yeah, it's like being on a roller coaster, like that chugging up the hill, and then once <laughs> you're at the top, all you have to do is just 
fall. Go down. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's easy. Yeah, your, your brain yeah. is revised. Yeah, <laughs> the beginning's revised. The rest of it should be easy. <laughs> you know the language. I like it. I have a question that's kind of about more your work in general, not necessarily specifically this piece, but this piece I think also. So I'm curious about humor in your work, um, and I think like the first stanza made me laugh out loud the first time I read it because of the like I I partially because I was like I can hear this in Rax's voice but also just like I know what it's like to be like actually dude nah you know and like I heard that just was such a distinct experience I think especially for like women or not not men folk um and so I was curious about humor and how play how what how you think of it in your work if it's something that you're doing intentionally like trying to bring humor in or if it's more just like you're a delightfully funny person and so it's like comes naturally to you did you like how I yeah <laughs> put that compliment in there for you yeah it's that one <laughs> that one for sure that's yeah. right yeah that's right the one that makes me sound really cool and like handsome um, <laughs> no but it's that's always an interesting question with poetry in general, I think, because it's typically thought of as being a really serious medium. Yeah, like like humor is not allowed or yeah. something. And I, I do err on the side of like sad poems that are funny, but it is hard to write a funny poem, and it's really hard to read a funny poem out loud because yeah. <laughs> you just have no idea it, what's going to land, and people sitting there are not primed to be like laughing, laughing. at shit. yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I never feel less funny than when I've written a funny poem and yeah. no one laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's tough. the most painful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until people start to realize, like, I have a poem about Tinder and it's like, but it's like a solid three or four lines in before people are like, oh, right. Joe, okay. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, well it's kind of funny when you sit down at a poetry reading, if you're kind of going in blind and you don't know people's work, yeah. you really got to be up for anything. You got to right. buckle in. It could be like a poem that like guts you emotionally or like something that's about swiping on tinder yeah being funny yeah i have a couple i mean i wouldn't call this like a humor it's not a humor poem for sure i do have a couple that are like outright humor poems for sure and i think the one that i think of as most emblematic of my own type of humor uh is things i can easily imagine elon musk doing and it's <laughs> just like a catalog of weird dude behaviors that i was he like is such I a cartoon see. character was that before or yeah. after his rap about harambe jesus <laughs> christ did you not know he did that his what he, he released he recorded, he re- recorded and released to the public a rap about Harambe, the dead gorilla. R.I.P. Oh, Rip. boy, howdy. That, I feel like there should be an addendum to your poem now. Yeah, number 14. <laughs> Writing and promoting. Yeah, it was at Cuckoo. I mean, like, it's just like a rich white dude with nothing to lose and too much time on his hands. He's like, you know what? I told everyone what to do about the whole space thing. I got some extra time on my hands. <laughs> yeah, Let me solve another problem. He got a little checklist. The funny thing about it is, though, like, I bet your poem is a bunch of these, like, totally hilarious, off-the-wall things, but, like, writing a rap in dedication to Harambe it would is not it would never have been something it would, you would be one of those things Elon Musk be like, would do. that really happened it'd be like it doesn't sound believable <laughs> yeah if they would make you take it that out. would get workshops yeah all the Workshop way out right of out piece. yeah yeah all the things that I had are just like pretty everyday obnoxious things that <laughs> like man behavior yeah. yeah yeah so now I feel cheated that I could have 
yeah. written that and had I think it be maybe true. you should just write a poem that's like in response to Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. After, After Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> After award winning poet. Songwriter. Yeah, yeah, songwriter, excuse me. He's definitely high. Oh, <laughs> right now. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, Have you seen that right picture now? of him smoking weed? It's the biggest bummer to look at. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to know. I want to know. Sad. I need to know. He's he's about to look like if a red-faced Google... George Costanza. <laughs> oh. Super if I just Google Elon Musk smoking weed, yeah, yeah. like that'll – okay. It'll pop right up. Can't wait. Man, I don't understand – I don't understand Elon Musk. Like, there's nothing about him that makes sense to me. That's a real just goblin man. Just a horrible little guy. Oh my man. god! Wait, there's a video of it. Oh yeah, he. Oh, no. uh, what was what was he on? What what medium? Which okay, which which one of these is the most a- accurate? That one. Okay. Man, I'm really not gonna have to. Oh no! <laughs> Why is Don't you like want to die? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if my dad smoked weed, which I you know I hope he does, but I don't think so. No, yeah. I mean. This is a picture of everyone's dad, like, trying to make the kids at the party think he's cool. I was going to say, smoking weed for the first time in his life and trying to seem cool. I was going to say, like, I feel like I'm not going to have to search, like, try very hard to search uh, for pictures for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I've already got some. Yeah. I'm I'm saving this right now so that I can look at it. So I can just keep it forever. I'm just going to tweet it later. God. Everybody, Bryn is looking at a picture of Elon Musk looking just blazed out of control yeah. beyond the point of recognition. Yeah, he doesn't even look like himself. No. But also, yeah. like, what? how do we know what he looks like? Truly. High thoughts. <laughs> He's, just kidding, I'm not. I'm, I would not be surprised if he were a lizard person. Oh, yeah. Or he just if, unzipped if his of skin. Of anyone. Of all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh Kanye West and Elon Musk are the yeah. two big biggest suspects. They're in on a my real list. hurry to get to the future. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. Where they, well, they will be respected and accepted as lizard people. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've really left us behind. Yeah, we're 2000 and late. <laughs> God. Did you just quote Fergie? In 2019. That's especially 2000 and late. Ooh. Oh God! Um, Is your okay. Elon Musk poem anywhere where we can read it? Yeah, it was uh, published by Peach. And nice. every time Elon Musk does something else stupid, I get to like relink to Yay. it. So it's just the that's gift lovely. That keeps, like, giving. Yeah, yeah that's evergreen content, as yeah. they say in the biz. <laughs> He's not getting smarter. <laughs> oh gosh, um, I feel like it's he amazing. he also might be one of those people who goes on like a Charlie Sheen esque rant. You oh, know, I can't wait. Um, okay. I feel, I feel like we got derailed, but you answered the question that you never like, <laughs> did I <laughs> answer the you, question? Well, you never like set out to write a funny poem, but humor no. just gets infused in your work because yeah. it's part of your life and, and the way you see the world. To me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I always try to be funny in poems or I'll write like a weird list or something. And then I, I feel like I'm not sure if it's a poem or I'm not sure right. how to workshop yeah. it because I don't know what would make it more or less funny Poem-y. or more or, le- more or less poemy yeah and what that even looks like well i think yeah. the tools of humor are are very poetic mm-hmm. i mean wordplay is a huge part of both humor and poetry and tone as well as something mm-hmm. that that translates across them both and mm-hmm. context yeah yeah context yeah, it's like am i tweeting is this like now that i can tweet more like is this a tweet is it a poem yeah nobody I... should tweet <laughs> 
That's my position. <laughs> no one ever, including no. yourself. Anyway, <laughs> follow Rex on Twitter. Yeah, you can follow me, but I shouldn't be tweeting. If I'm tweeting, I guarantee I have like 10 other things that we I'm not be doing. doing. We yeah. should all be working, truly. <laughs> That's what the capitalist industrial complex wants you to believe. That's true. So we should tweet as an act of rebellion. <clears throat> I think so. Tweeting is praxis. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I will say, I think maybe it's my my effort to, like, give fewer fucks about poetry, but I started to just, like, write funny titles for things and, like, hope that I can, like, create a funny poem. It's, I think it all started because Stephanie wrote a poem entitled, No One's in Love With Me and It's Ruining My Day. <laughs> Every time I think about it, it makes me giggle. And so I wrote a poem that was... Uh, summertime sadness re-enters the charts in 2019 <laughs> i want to read that poem badly yeah it sounds yeah, good it's gonna be really cuckoo bananas i think maybe i would love to start like do a fun workshop or something where we try to come up with a ridiculous poem title and then we all try to write a poem with a that poem same with title. title yeah that's an idea you heard yeah. it here don't steal my idea <laughs> copyright we have a recording TM, yeah um okay anyway so is yeah. there anything we didn't hit on in this conversation that you would like to chat about? Um, Not to put you what on are the you feeling strongly about today? What are your strong opinions? <laughs> what are my hot takes. <laughs> I feel like I go on a rant every single time we record this. I podcast. love it. I feel like I burn strong don't. opinions. So. Yeah, I don't think I have a hot take today. Great. Do I? Oh, you should buy my book from me. That's my hot hell take. yeah. Yeah, we will put a, some sort of link. Yeah. In all of our notes, yeah. show notes, And then Twitters. you click it, and it'll take you to a place where you can buy my book, probably. Or maybe it'll just be a different link. I don't know. <laughs> Unclear. Just to the Elon Musk picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be a fake link. Rick roll to the Elon Musk picture. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so speaking of your book, what are you working on now? Uh, or what would you like to plug? Yeah. Um... It's not super plug-ready, but I am very excited about the novel I'm working on now, which is apropos-ishly about a young Orthodox Jewish woman, hmm. so yeah, you can you can read that someday, maybe. <laughs> someday, um, definitely. I feel confident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So if, if it never appears, then everybody who's listening to this knows that I fucked some, something up. <laughs> Um, and then uh, yeah. your book, your chat book, The People's Elbow, what's yeah. the best way for people to buy that so that you benefit the most? Yeah, you can... Uh, <laughs> not Amazon. Not Amazon is what I'm saying. Yeah, don't don't give any money to Jeff Bezos. God. Um, mm. You can, however, give money to Ursus Americanus. They're my press, and they will mail a book to you. You can also give money directly to me uh, by means of Venmo, or you can mail me an envelope of cash. I don't really <laughs> care. <laughs> and I will mail you a book. Either way, I don't. I'm not picky. I love Just it. Do whatever works. I love it. Um, and then, so where can you be found online? Where would you like to be found online by our listeners? Oh, I, I wouldn't. Always, <laughs> I would be fair. I would always say like, where can people find you? And then I'm like, wait, maybe nobody wants like people to go like. But also, like I said I before, imagine. it's like ten of our friends who are listening to this. Podcast. I, yeah, I, I probably guess it's not that popular, but I can't imagine everyone's like, oh damn, I'm gonna go follow them on Twitter and. Well, well you, you never should. Know. You should follow me at. At uh, Rax King is dead. That's my username on everything, including Venmo. If you just hey. want some money, <laughs> that's some consistent branding. Well done. Just Thank give you. money. Yeah, yeah. Really. Just send money. Just just give me <laughs> like five hundred dollars. <laughs> 
just do that just yeah and then we won't be mad about like you buying the book on amazon right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Want, there's then. a 500 dollars surcharge to <laughs> rax king is dead um on venmo if you purchase the book on amazon so just just so you're all aware of that um well so you can also follow us at sfd pod sfd podcast on both instagram and twitter um we post things yeah, we post when episode they, when promo. When the episode is live. And some behind-the-scenes pictures. Behind-the-scenes pictures. Um, that's Funny where we'll post. inside joke pictures that you can only get, get if you listen to the podcast. Media. Oh, yeah. Um, it's where you'll see pictures, the 600 pictures Rax is going to send us of <laughs> Dwayne the Hog Yeah, Johnson, we'll post them slowly so. every hour until we're through. <laughs> yeah. 600 hours. <laughs> I think that's great. I, I'm really looking forward to it, very truly. So um, you can also send us an email if you want to go old, old school or if you have um, some things to say to us. Mm-hmm. And you can reach us at sfdpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here, Rax. We Thank appreciate you. you. Thanks for having me, everybody. All two of you. I don't know why <laughs> everybody. Uh, I will listen to this episode. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. I like giving my Sims the like creepy goblin walk. Like, yeah it's so hilarious and now you can make them look like aliens and like go just like cuckoo bananas with it are you recording